Welcome to the Keegan Smith Podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Today's podcast is made possible thanks to Prove It Ketones. I got onto Prove It Ketones through Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, and I'm glad that I did. I was following the ketogenic diet, and uh, adding the ketones to what I was doing definitely improved my training, improved my recovery. The research keeps getting bigger, better, wider. So many benefits uh, to this product, and the amazing stories that I've heard from people all over the world who've completely transformed their bodies and their lives with this product makes it a pretty amazing thing to offer. So if you want some, reach out, realmovement.proveitnow.com or message me and I will connect you up with a sample. All right, we're back. It's been a few days. Uh, there has been a lot of people, have been a lot of people asking me, when are we back on? Uh, lots of really good feedback and people appreciating what I'm giving away here. Uh, it is a lot of stuff that has taken me many, many years of research and experience and experimenting uh, to get to. But the purpose of doing that was to enhance my own life and to be able to help other people to experience uh, a better life. And there's way too much stuff going on out there, which is far, far, far from optimal. So I'm going to keep sharing and uh, let's see where we can get to with this. Uh, hypertrophy is the topic for today, if you don't know what these big words mean, and it's uh, muscle growth. Okay, so muscle growth is one of the primary drivers for a lot of people first going to the gym, and it's uh, actually a huge factor in longevity and performance. Um, so while you think of a massive bodybuilder and you think, well, performance-wise, they're probably not someone I would like to emulate, uh, when you actually look at the statistics around life expectancy once you have an a serious amount of muscle loss or sarcopenia then you become more and more likely to die and it's uh it's a pretty sad state as you see a withering aging body and i'm sure we've all uh, experienced this with loved ones i know that i have generally initially there's a lot of fat gain uh, as people get older and then they start to wither away and the, the fat goes and there's very little muscle left there and and you know that's the getting close to the end uh, quality of life deteriorates through both of these stages and they're both 100% uh, avoidable and we just don't have a culture around avoiding them at the moment so that's why we do this podcast um, Jack Lane was a guy who made it into his mid 90s and still had a lot of muscle and uh, high function and that's definitely a, a good way to go and a good target to aim for so if you're looking for a role model who to take you know what kind of body to take into old age uh, Jack Lane is a super inspirational guy for that but holding on to muscle mass doesn't mean looking like a bodybuilder it means having muscles on your bones so that you can live um, so that you can jump so that you can run so that you can stand up from a chair and so that you can you know have the the strength if you do slip in the bathroom to catch yourself and also the skill uh, to not fall down because we know that falls and slips for old people are a huge factor um, in mortality so i know you're not thinking about that because most of you are fit and young and healthy so let's just talk about what we need for muscle mass, why it's important, 
probably a lot of people who listen to this are not serious like bodybuilder types who their number one focus in life is how much muscle can I hold. The flip side of that is if you're passionate about performance, you're actually going to probably need a body, something like people who perform something like how you would like to perform. So if you love the performance of gymnasts, if you love the performance of weightlifters, if you love the performance of powerlifters, if you love the performance of elite crossfitters, if you love the performance of rugby league players, whoever inspires you physically, what we should be aiming for is to have a physical structure and a level of fat-free mass or a muscle number as we talk about in uh, Real Movement and through the Real You app. You can check out your muscle number and basically that tells you how muscular you are um, for your height. Um, but it's height adjusted, so even if you're tall or if you're short, your number will, will still be good. Uh, and yeah, basically that, that says... If you know you're around the average maximum amount that a man can hypertrophy, or if you're, you know, a way below what's kind of average maximum potential, or if you're above that, you know, if you've been using steroids, or if you've just trained really well and you've got good genetics, you may be well above what's sort of normal um, in terms of for elite trained uh, muscular men. You know, you may be way above what's considered like a natural limit okay so fat free mass index height adjusted 25 or a muscle number of 100 uh, is considered like the natural limit uh, by a lot of people but uh, it's unlikely that it is really a natural limit it's more likely that it's it's an elite place and it's a great place to to get to for for an average guy and probably a lot of people won't get there but there will be people who will go way beyond it mitch pike is a friend of mine um, and we've spoken about all the dark side of muscle gain and all that sort of stuff. And uh, he's 110 kilos, and, and I think it's because he he loves to to work hard, and he's got a strong mind and a strong body. Um, and he's yeah, he's a muscle number of 110 to 113 kilos, uh, less than 10 percent body fat. Very impressive. Um, so he's above what many would consider to be a natural limit. But how do we get to that point? That is the the podcast for today. Okay, so fundamentally, so many people will tell you. It's it's about you know what you do in the kitchen. Body will say or it's it's made in the kitchen. Now this is true to an extent, but I think it is an exaggeration in the 21st century because a lot of people are not training with a sufficient stimulus to build muscle. Okay, so let's think of it this way: if there is a person who goes, I would love to build a lot of muscle. I'm going to follow a bodybuilder's diet. Now, if they're massively malnourished, they may, and, and super skinny, they may build some muscle just simply adding some more protein to the diet and um, avoiding a bunch of crap and just, you know, get to more like their natural, healthy um, weight without a stimulus of, of strength and load. Okay, so for if you've been on a vegan diet, then you're going to gain muscle more than likely. Um, just getting back onto uh, meat, okay? So that kind of scenario, for, especially for someone who's not training. I know there are there is the odd guy out there who's uh, vegan and built a lot of muscle before they were vegan and they're still muscular and they're talking about the benefits of veganism. I haven't seen it the other way where people have gone from being super skinny and then gone vegan and bulked up. Um, that doesn't seem to happen quite as much. But anyway, we're we're digressing a little bit here. 
what I'm saying is that we need to focus on a stimulus, okay? So if you're a lumberjack and you're knocking down trees and you're dragging those trees around all day long, initially it's going to smash you with soreness. If you're a car mechanic and you know you take on an apprentice role, if I go tomorrow and become an apprentice car mechanic and they, I, I'm screwing and unscrewing things all day, uh, then... I'm going to have some growth in my forearms. The lumberjack guy, if, if you take the average computer nerd, make him drag trees around all day, they're going to be sore as hell, but they're going to either die or add some muscle, you know, because that's the options that the body is, is left with. For the mechanic guy, you're going to build the big forearms. Uh, if you go play soccer, then you're probably going to build some calves. Okay, so this kind of scenario, Mike Robertson sort of used to speak about it quite a bit on T Nation, but... There needs to be a stimulus. When that stimulus is there in the movement, then there will also be an accompanying stimulus of let's get some food in here. Let's get some protein. I am hungry. Um, and that stimulus and the food actually come second to the movement. Okay, so when there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of tissue being torn down, then and only then is eating more food going to be beneficial, okay? So if you just, you know, and this is pretty common, you know, people go to the gym, dick around a little bit, just do their bench presses, but, you know, they're not really pressing any serious weight and, um, you know, the session is without intensity and then they go and smash a protein shake thinking that the protein shake is the key part of the process, but it's really going to be the actual stimulus within the session that makes a difference. So let's break down the actual stimulus. Like what is it within a session that needs to happen? Okay. So there's three main things here. One is mechanical tension. Okay. So mechanical tension, you can think of like a crane pulling something up, um, you know, to move it, uh, in, in the city. Okay. On that wire, when the load is picked up, there is tension on the wire. Now, unlike the wire, your body will adapt to that tension. Okay. So that tension is a stimulus because you're a biological system and you're not a machine. That biological system will think, oh, if we're going to keep doing this, we're going to put some more metal in this wire. Otherwise, it might snap. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get the tasks done that we need to get done every day to survive. The body just assumes it's a, that all your tasks are survival related. It doesn't assume that they're related to vanity or um, performance or, or whatever. They just The body just thinks survival and it thinks, okay, this one strand of wire that I have here at the moment, um, and this is, you know, the probably the state of play for the average fat, skinny, sad sort of scenarios. There's one, you know, skinny little fiber there, um, on the triceps and then they start to do some training and then that, that fiber needs to grow. Okay. And you, you can actually get more fibers, but mostly what you're seeing is each of the individual fibers, which you already have become thicker. Okay. And that's a response to mechanical tension. Now, mechanical tension can come from two things, right? It can come from, well, like there needs to be, well, there can be the load there and you're, you know, contracting, moving that load. So you're pulling against the load, but then there's also the end of range uh, is another scenario. So by stretching at the same time as being under contraction, what you're going to see is an increase in tension. Okay. So in the Charles Poliquin system, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard that name a few times. Um, 
and you know some of the same bodybuilders of the past. I think you know Vince Gironda had some really interesting stuff around this as well. By getting through full range of motion, what you're able to do is maximize mechanical tension. Okay, so when you see bodybuilders doing their little partial reps, what they're actually focus on focusing on is number two here. So number one is mechanical tension, contraction of the muscle and full range of motion. Okay. So if you're squatting to depth, you're going to get more mechanical tension, which means more growth stimulus. Okay. Also a factor in joint health and stuff as well. But if we're just thinking about muscles, um, that's, that's one of the benefits of getting to end range. Okay. In terms of metabolic stress, this is number two, metabolic stress. Okay. So this is why pump, this is why myo reps, this is why um, occlusion training, these kind of mechanisms are built around metabolic stress uh, to a muscle, okay? So where you might see this, if we go back to real life, thinking lumberjacks and all that sort of stuff, who is someone who's consistently putting a muscle under metabolic stress more so than weight training stress? You could think about someone like a track cyclist, someone like uh, a rower. Now, these guys will supplement their rowing and cycling training with weight training because weight training will give them more mechanical tension and full range of motion mechanical tension than uh, what they're going to get with just doing their rowing or or biking. It's going to keep their bodies more balanced as well because those two movements, uh, you know, they're not complete movements, so you're going to develop some serious imbalances if, if all you do is ride a bike or all you do is um, jump on the rower. But those guys will get an additional uh, stimulus of metabolic stress, so they can have some nice hypertrophy, even people who just do those sports. And you see this with things like triathletes as well. Okay, There's some triathletes you know, who get the calories right and don't um, you know, go crazy with the volume and have some genetic potential you know, they, they will look quite muscular simply based on the volume of training they're doing. So they're getting quite a lot of mechanical tension through the volume of what they're doing, and then they're getting metabolic stress, okay? So they will build some muscle through that. And it seems as though, um, you know, people people look at, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of guys who are like talking about evidence-based and science-based and all this stuff, and they're like, oh, there's no, there's not really good studies showing that mechanical stress, um, you know, metabolic stress is, you know, it's, it's not quite, certain how much how important metabolic stress is and you'll you'll hear some guys in the science-based um muscle hypertrophy scene the main thing that is uh there in the research is around volume okay so volume of work that cu- that is going to cover mechanical tension and it's also going to cover point three which we'll jump to in a second but me- the metabolic stress side of things um is kind of still it's not as clear in, in some of the research and some people sort of say, you know, it's not, it's not really a factor in the real world. What we see is there was this thing called CrossFit that someone started doing at some stage and people got massive and some of them took steroids. Some of them have been caught for peptides and whatever, but there's also 55 year old women, you know, just around the corner is your, your mum's mate who 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 have bigger muscles than you know the average 20 year old um you know vegan uni student okay so mum and mums are mums are not probably going down that path there may be one or two at the world games who've gone that path uh probably unlikely but even still uh you know then they're definitely not all doing that guys so 
to a lot of people want to throw stones at CrossFit and just sort of say it's down to that. It's not down to that, you know, that people are getting the physiques they're getting through CrossFit. They're getting the physiques they're getting through CrossFit because they're getting a lot of mechanical tension, they're getting a lot of metabolic stress, and they're getting a lot of muscle damage. Okay, it's a high-volume program. It's get as much work done as you can within an hour, a little bit of heavy stuff, and then a lot of just getting reps done. So much so getting reps done to the point where, you know, it's at the limit of uh, ability to tolerate lactic acid and maximal breathing rate and all those things are getting reached. But fundamentally what you're doing is is bodybuilding um, just to a very high tempo and, and, you know, with a different exercise selection. But, you know, you can see why people are getting a bodybuilding stimulus and when they're doing it, you know, three, six times a week or more for the elite guys, it's no wonder that there's elite physiques being created, okay? So don't put it all down to uh, to steroids and whatever and don't ignore what's going on there. You know, there's a huge body of, of people there. There's so many people that, you know, are at the, most of the scientific literature and people looking at building strength and endurance at the same time or the effect of metabolic stress and things like that, they're not, they don't, it doesn't come up the fact that there are, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, following a method that, that revolves around these things. Okay. So that metabolic stress piece is going to influence uh, things like insulin growth factor, myostatin. Um, yeah, basically like the chemical response there is going to trigger, trigger a chemical response in the cells. Like you, the more you're messing with the system and taking away from rest taking away from balanced normal rest then the more it's going to be a stimulus for the body to change okay so there is definitely some value to getting a pump uh, in the way that the old bodybuilders uh, sort of thought about that Vince Gironda if you checked out my insta story I posted the best book about his work Um, that book yeah, shows his methods and one of his methods, like his most famous method is like eight, eight by eight. Okay, so eight sets of eight reps uh, with minimal rest between sets. Okay, so you basically just keep moving and you're getting 64 reps done in a pretty short period of time. Um, so, you know, it would metabolically cross over a lot with a CrossFit type stimulus and, you know, later um, 10 by 10 sort of became popularized as German volume training. Uh, through Charles Poliquin and whichever Germans were doing that. But, um, you know, that kind of training is, is based around lots of mechanical tension or sufficient mechanical tension, maybe not lots. You try and go up fast, which means you're getting maximal or quite a lot of mechanical tension on the way up. Um, lowering down under control, which means you're getting more mTOR release. Um, you're going to create more inflammation, more damage, And that is a good segue to number three, which is muscle damage. Okay, so we can create more muscle damage either by just doing more and more work or by uh, eccentric loading. Okay, total volume and eccentric loading are the biggest factors in muscle damage. And that is our third factor for hypertrophy. Okay, so if we're getting muscle tension, metabolic stress and uh, muscle damage, then the body is going to do something. It's going to respond. Now, simple right you, you and and so best way to tell if you're actually doing this stuff is are you able to get more reps done at a certain load or are you able to get more total reps done so it's like 
strength across sets, like strength for volume is what you want to be chasing. So what I mean by that is if you can do 100 kilos for three sets of 10 and you work up to being able to do 100 kilos uh, for 10 sets of 10, then by the time you get to that point, you're going to have bigger muscles. Okay, so in the same way, if we're doing, um, say, dense strength, 25. So you're getting 25 reps in five minutes, sets of five usually. If if you're when you're able to do that with 100 kilos, then you're getting two and a half tons of volume. When you're able to do that with 200 kilos, then you're getting five tons of volume within that. Okay, so as we increase the total amount of tonnage that we're dealing with, there will be a growth stimulus. Okay, so you see with weightlifting, uh, powerlifting, you see a, a gradual trend in of an increase in tonnage uh, as lifters become elite. I was listening to uh, Pat Casey this morning on Josh Bryant's uh, YouTube channel. Josh Bryant has Jailhouse Strong. Uh, he's a, a guy who's had some support from uh, from Charles Poliquin over the years. He he's a love he he's a lover of uh, strength history, and he's got some really interesting videos there on his uh, YouTube channel. But yeah, Josh Bryant is profiled uh, Pat Casey there and got some photos of him, and he was he was bench pressing. Uh, Man, that guy can talk. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But he doesn't because he loves it. Okay. All right, it's telling me I'm going a little bit over time, but that's okay. I can move that after. Um, I'll wrap this up shortly. Pat Casey, uh, six hundred and thirty pound bench, um, bench pressing hundred kilo dumbbells for reps, six reps. I think was his record there. So. He got to that huge, uh, you know, huge lifts, and he was sort of a pioneer of his time. Uh, yeah, lifting massive weights, drinking heaps of milk at like the the guys of that time. And what he did was, you know, he he was famous for doing dips all day. Um, so he did eight, he did dips for eight hours at one stage. So that tolerance to volume thing was was a big part of his picture. CT Fletcher talks about doing three hundred fifteen pound uh, bench press all day. So you know, one hundred forty kilos, and just you know, not just going set for set with his friend and not being, not wanting to be uh, the guy that gives up. Okay, so don't start out training like that. But a lot of the guys at the top have that kind of history. You know, uh, I spoke about Paul Anderson talking about squatting all day. Um, he said he did more squats than anyone else. And you know, I talk about that in the in the squat podcast. If you don't know who Paul Anderson is, uh, check that one out. John Davis as well, 1938 and 1952 uh, champion. So he was champion across. In three decades, um, amazing story. Similar kind of, you know, yeah, tough, tough training is you know what they eventually got to, but it, it takes time to to do that and to get to those uh, sorts of volumes as well. And that's the other side of this equation, okay? So which I'm going to maybe maybe actually we'll we'll call this part two. Part two, we're going to talk about what. It, so part one is stimulus, and then part two is going to be response, right? So if you're not getting muscle growth, you can look at stimulus and you can look at response. You want to be optimizing both of them. And if you're not getting any results, then one of them is wrong. Okay. One of them is, is not sufficient. It might be overstimulus. It might be understimulus or your body may not be able to respond. So I'm going to talk about a lot of the factors that are involved in response. Uh, things like, I'll give you a little sneak preview, uh, insulin. So uh, hormone sensitivity, immune function, mineral balance, 
uh, glandular function, and we'll tell a few stories and talk about a little bit of history and share some of the things that are going to make the most difference uh, in terms of hypertrophy, which should be a goal and is a key part of strength regardless of what your goals are. Uh, this, I was reading a Travis Mash ebook this morning. Bodybuilding is a key factor in strength for anyone is basically uh, one of the first sentences when he gets to the bodybuilding section. It's in reference to powerlifting, once you've got your beginner gains, muscle hypertrophy is the most important method in improving powerlifting performance. Then he talks about a photo of Ed Cohen's back versus a photo of, uh, what's his name, Dorian Yates, and they actually had some similarities in their methods. And he sort of says Ed Cohen probably had a better back than Dorian Yates. And if you look at the way Ed Cohen trained, uh, then you'll actually see that he was, uh, yeah, he was training phenomenally. Uh, Gallagher's book, what's his? Yeah, there's. Uh, I can pull out that reference for you tomorrow if you would like it. Um, but there's a huge crossover. If you're just interested in performance, you need to have a body like the person who performs something like you would like to perform. If you're overly muscled, then tune out for the next episode and you probably didn't need to listen to this one. But generally the case is that elite athletes will be more muscled than their struggling counterparts. And you see that across the board in footy. I did it for the Roosters squad, the, the, the top guys who are playing versus the guys who are on the fringe and, and not quite getting a game. Average muscle number in the top guys is around 100. Average muscle number for the other guys uh, is yeah like low 90s. Okay, So there's a clear difference between the fringe players, the amount of muscle mass they hold, and you know it shows that it's likely to be a significant factor in why they are fringe players. Okay, so Sonny Bill Williams muscle number around 110. You do do the do the math, fill in the gaps. Okay, so this is why hypertrophy matters. It's not purely from a, a, a standing you know a point of aesthetics, but aesthetics are important too. Would Sonny Bill Williams be Sonny Bill Williams if he didn't have that amazing physical presence, the physical body? You know, if the photos didn't represent him the way he did would, would he still have the same impact like um, for me the answer is no like he's an amazing human and he, and part of that amazing human is the physique okay so if you would like to have more of an impact on the world and you know be able to perform to a higher standard then it's probably pretty important that when you look in the mirror you see something similar to the physiques that inspire you and that perform the things you would like to perform okay i've said that a couple of times but get the message that's why I'm talking about this. It's super important. It's not just vanity. It's not just superficial. And it does matter who you're looking at in the mirror. It does matter because who you're looking at in the mirror is who other people are looking at, and that's who you bring to the table. That's what you bring to the table physically, what you bring to the table mentally. It matters, right? So, uh, yeah, let's uh, optimize it. Let's get it closer to where we want it to be. All right. Thanks for jumping on today, guys, and I will talk to you very soon. If you loved it, share it, and, yeah, I'm going to say that again in the outro. Bye.